Another week of Behind the Lens. I'm Debbie Elias, film critic, creator, and host of Behind the Lens, where we go behind the lens and below the line with the movers, the shakers, the film and TV makers, the producers, the writers, the directors, the actors, the cinematographers, production designers, costume designers, film editors, sound editors, sound mixers, um, on occasion, upcoming, I think in January, we'll, we're going to have a choreographer on. Um, we, we talk to them all. We talk to them all. And it's been, we're counting it down to the end of the year now. This is our last show in November. Next Monday, we are off, so Pam gets a day off after Thanksgiving. And uh, then we've got three shows in December. And then when we come back in January of 2023... On January 9th, we will kick off year nine of Behind the Lens. Very exciting stuff. But we've got the rest of the year, we've got packed with a lot of people. Uh, and as I'm parking the car today at the studio, um, I'm we had to juggle today's show. Today, for those of you that read the teasers out on social media, we were going to have as a guest calling in from somewhere in Europe, I think Sweden or Finland, uh, in the Nordic area, we were going to have writer-director Maria Nuhufvud, uh calling in to talk about her debut documentary directorial, Calendar Girls. Unfortunately, uh, somewhere between me leaving my house and driving two hours to get to the studio, the film's publicist got a call that, uh Maria was supposed to be, have landed wherever she was flying to. Her flight got delayed, so right now she is in the air somewhere. Somewhere around Helsinki. I'm not sure where, where she's going or what she's doing, but. So, the best laid plans. So, unfortunately, Maria will not be with us today to talk about Calendar Girls. We're going to reschedule Maria and her co-director, who wasn't, going to be available today uh love martinson so hopefully we'll have them back we'll have them uh calling in live on i think Dece the december 5th show either december 5th or 12th they'll be calling in so last minute juggling the beauty of live live anything live tv live radio live podcast so we are going to go ahead and talk about Switzerland's submission to the Academy Awards this year for Best Foreign Language Film, A Piece of Sky. This is an exquisite film. Uh, it is, there's a poignancy to it. There is a natural beauty to it. Uh, it is written and directed by Michael Koch. Uh, he is a, it's his second feature. It feels like a docu, uh, like a docu-narrative, uh, almost. And it is 
shot in Switzerland. And it's a beautiful story about uh, Anna and Marco, very simple people who live on the side of a mountain. And Marco is, he's a farmer. He has great love for his cows, milk cows. Anna, from a prior relationship, has a daughter. And she fills in her time. She bartends at the local little tavern. And she delivers mail, anything to make ends meet. And this beautiful couple, they are devoted to each other. And then mental illness or not even so much mental illness, but a, t a brain tumor uh, causes Marco to totally change. Uh, and his mental faculties slowly erode, and Anna tries to, sta tries to stand by him as long as she can. Neither one had acted before. Their performances are amazing. It took forever for Michael to cast this, the everybody else in the film, they're all locals who live in the little town, who live in the little chalets on the side of the, of the mountain. It's a wonderful rumination on life, on man's bond with nature and the circle of life. Uh, shot over a lengthy amount of time so as to incorporate all of the seasons. Uh, total of 70 days of shooting. Cinematographer Armin Diroff, absolutely amazing. You will be, when you see this film, and I say this in all earnest to Academy voters and those that are considering the best foreign language films to narrow down the final choices for Oscar nominations. It is so exquisite, the cinematography. When you think about the challenge, challenges of shooting on a mountainside, dealing with the weather, a lot of this, it's shot in winter with alpine snows and snowstorms, as well as the beauty of the blue sky and the sun and the mountain greenery in the spring and the summer. It is a stunner. And to see the correlation of the cycle of life and nature is just a beautiful metaphor that we see unfold here. Uh, there's a lot of metaphor happening when you look at the film. The film is structured. It's got a very interesting structure, a three, definitely three acts. And each act is segmented by a Greek chorus. Uh, that always sound, when they sing, it's a sorrowful lamentation. And it signifies not only the change of seasons, but the progression of the story. And it provides the story structure. Really, an incredible, incredible film. The sound design is impeccable. Impeccable. Silence is celebrated. Uh, the sound of the wind or the, just the springtime wafting of it, and then how it slowly picks up into gusts on the mountainside. Just absolutely stunning in every aspect. Emotionally, from a filmmaking standpoint, this is a beautiful film. Absolutely beautiful. And I spoke at length with Michael, 
Uh, you're going to hear the interview in a minute, but uh, we're going to start the show with with, <laughs> with Michael. Uh, and then after this interview, you're going to hear about another film uh, that uh, The Wonder, which just opened, directed by Sebastian uh, Lilio. Uh, and we're going to get into that shortly but let's kick off the show here with a piece of sky switzerland's submission for the academy 95th academy awards for best foreign language film and writer director michael koch hi michael it's debbie hello how are you doing today i'm in Brittany right now i have to tell you a Piece of Sky is a beautiful film. Oh, thank you very much. That's so nice to hear. It is a beautiful film. And so much of that is due to your cinematographer, to Armin. Wow, the way he captures the sun, the sky, the, sky, the mountainside, the different seasons, even as the wind softly blows wafting some of the grass uh that around the rocks it is so beautifully done and it really reminds us how small we are as people in the grand scheme of yeah, you life to, you have to see it like we want it you know if, if you are there and we want to to convey the mountain experience we have we had me and armin when we were in the mountains it's it's absolutely as you said you are aware of how small we are comparing to the the, the big whole thing you know <laughs> Uh, comparing to nature, so it's really like uh, to give the audience a glimpse to this idea, actually. Well, I have to say, it reminded me, my grandfather and his family were from the Harz Mountains in Germany. Okay, and okay, okay. I see. So I grew up hearing stories about my great-grandparents and saw many, many pictures of cab of their home, these small cabins up there in the mountains. And those were in black and white. So to see your film in color, it took me right back there to my own okay. relatives on the mountains. Just just stunning. But, you know, this is a really interesting story, Michael. And the way you have interwoven the simplicity and the connection of man to nature... Um, within the grand scheme of life is so beautifully done. I'm really curious, when you were writing this script with Nadja, what, how were you structuring this? Because as we see the film on screen, you have the wonderful Greek chorus pop up uh, and give us basically, get, break the film into different acts, acts of life, acts of the seasons and it works so well but i'm curious if this was part of the writing process or if this is something that came after you had the script developed walk me through what you did creatively in that respect 
Yeah, I have to say that you know the story is based on a on a on a real story. So actually, I had an encounter with a young woman who told me his story, her story, and it touched me a lot. I have to say, the way she <clears throat> succeeds in uh, yeah in preserve uh, a love for this man, although it changes a lot and although it's terrible things happen, but in the end, she succeeds to maintain her love for, I think, this human being, I, I would say. So this this was really, I was really touched to the, to the, to the story based on, and um, then I, 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 yeah, I was looking for a way to, yeah, to to include the seasons, to include all this time going by, and uh, this I I think you can the connection the Greek tragedy is already there mm-hmm. in terms of the topic. There is like this this humor, this like uh, uh, which is put the couple to a test, you know, and uh, this is like a, a thing you can also. Uh, discover in the Greek tragedy that that the main character is put to a test because uh, yeah you know the, the boss they are taking him to, to to this and now they are looking how he will react and uh, so I thought it would be really interesting to use this connection to the Greek tragedy also to structure my story mm-hmm. and because in each little mountain village you have a little choir you have you you can you can find this there. I thought it would be wonderful to 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 use the choir, the village choir, uh, kind of a, a Greek choir, um, to structure my story into different chapters. So it was from the beginning on. It was really clear that I will use this choir in order to structure my my story actually, mm-hmm. and also to have the ability to really, in an elliptic way, you know going for different periods in this long journey we we uh, I wanted to tell mm-hmm. um, I love how you have used the Greek choir I think it works so beautifully and it also because so much of this film it this is like a documentary narrative blend is the kind of feel that I get and it's the Greek chorus that really makes this a narrative as we're watching yeah. the lives of these people unfold. You know, life goes on, the circle of life. You've got cows that, that get sold to the butcher. You've got the, the basic instincts of existence. And this was really something that I, I love, Michael, is that in the first act of the film, as we see Marco and with the cow and the bull and we're trying to get them to mate and that really is very prescient of what we eventually see with Marco thanks to yeah. the impulsiveness that with his brain tumor he has impulses and they're very basic and you can't control them just like a bull who wants that cow and so you have these yeah beautiful little connection connective tissue happening here and it's anyone paying attention to this film is going to see that and absolutely love the thought that you put into that in bringing this to life 
I'm I'm super happy that you mentioned this uh, like you know this uh, Greek choir co uh, also in in if you're telling about the documentary approach you 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 sensed in a, in the in the in the story you know so because I think it's very it's very for me it was really important that if because the, the approach to the project was a documentary approach to to have something to put it against the documentary and that's for me like the like a really like um, a clear idea of the of the visual um conception and to make clear that it's a story being told mm -hmm. here it's not it's not about the documentary it's about really like a story and that's why the choir helps to 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 make it the days clear it's like a more a formal approach and also as you could discovered uh, as armin uh, the dop did the, the the framing it's always like stage in a way it's like really we wanted to convey like the perfect let's say stage for the non-professional in order that they can unfold themselves in a, in, in the best way mm -hmm. um so I think it it uh, it makes me happy to hear that uh, yeah you experienced this these two approaches the, the the formal approach and the documentary approach. Mm -hmm. I would say. The more I kept watching Armin's beautiful beautiful cinematography, we get into that third act and little Julia says, you know, I believe in the sun, nature, animals, and trees. And yeah. that really capitalizes the entire film and everything we have seen on screen up to that point is just captures that beautifully. And she really summarizes it. And when she asks her mother at one point, you know, what is heaven like? All I kept thinking is this beautiful place has to be what heaven <clears throat> is like because it's that gorgeous. And that serene and peaceful, even with Marco's problem, even with having to say bye to a cow that he doesn't that he loves, it's still there's a serenity and peace and beauty that is so connected. And you you also incorporate your sound design with that. Your sound design is very calming. It's very beautiful. One of the most elegant aspects of the film is you have periods of total silence such as in the third yeah. act as we're getting into those final frames and we hear nothing but then slowly you start to hear the wisp of the wind pick up and that adds so much to the ethereal nature of this film Michael yeah, because I think it it makes you be really like paying attention to to this peaceful silence and what it it actually it's really important for the film that you are aware of this like uh, it can encourage the ma our main character Anna this peaceful silence gives her a lot of strength I think mm -hmm. and you also as an audience you can really. You know, it's like uh, you're not lost in a way. There is, there is still something is there, and it's quite, uh, it's, 
it's, it's, it's, yeah, always covered in peace, I would say. <laughs> yes, very. You watch this film, and even with what Marco is going through and Anna's strong silence in supporting him, you feel peace. You feel at peace as you're watching the film. And I found that really interesting. But it's from the sensory experience, I think. We hear the Greek chorus, and if people, uh, if they hear the words, if uh, they're reading the subtitles so they know what the words are for the English audiences, you're going to feel peace when you watch this. I'm really curious for you, Michael, as a director, as a filmmaker, this could not have been an easy shoot logistically. You were on the side of a mountain. You were there in snow. You were there in summer. You were there in in fall or spring. How and yeah, you know mountains aren't flat. Those mountainsides are slanted. How challenging was this for you and Armin and the rest of your crew when you're actually trying to block yeah, it, out and yeah. shoot? It, it was challenging, actually, because, uh, you know, it's, it's high up in the mountains. You bring your, all your equipment with you. And uh, there were some shooting days. We just, like, walked for two hours and a half to get <laughs> to the place I wanted to shoot the scene. So, you know, you need to have time, actually. And, um, yeah, we had 70 shooting days, which is, which is a lot, but I wanted to, I, I needed to have this in order that I can really go to the places I wanted to go with my team. We were a small team, 10 people only uh, working on the set. So it was really like we want to achieve, like, together to go to this place um, sometimes walking like for one hour in the snow to get to a point where we could shoot like the scene and i have to say it's also a gift you know because you uh, we discovered uh, beautiful moments scenes we, we could not ha i could not have imagined on the on the writing table you know it's the, it's the moment where the hay balls are coming out of the white uh, sky towards us it was just possible because we could wait for the, the the fog coming, like, and we waited like for uh, one and a half hour until it was the right weather and the right atmosphere and the right light to shoot the scene. And I mean, it's only possible if you have time, actually. And so I, we spent like three long period, different periods in the year of the pandemic during pandemic uh, in the mountains and it was uh, yeah it was a really intense time I, I have to say you know I never experienced something like this it was uh, it was amazing it was also really intense because we worked with the local uh, villagers and yeah it was uh, it was something really special actually how did you find this location because the location itself is so beautiful. You've got the mountainside and the fact that there are so many visible rocks because the rocks are very key in this story and in who Anna and Marco are. Especially in your right after you have the, we have a 3 minute opening of the rock and music and then we have one of the villagers, one of the townspeople working on, on the hillside, 
saying there was a line about there's a rumbling from above and rocks falling. And it's kind of like the rumbling, you know, Marco is like a rock. Life keeps going no matter what. Anna is like a rock. But there's that rumbling. And some of the rocks may fall. So this location is so specific for this film, for the emotion that you're creating. I'm curious how you found it. Actually, I, 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 you know, I spend a lot of time in the mountains because I love this place. Um, so I feel really close to it. Every summer, every winter, I'm spending a lot of time in the mountains, climbing, hiking. Uh, especially for this film, I had there was like quite a long research. So I did like maybe I put. Three, three years of, of research. Uh, I've done also the casting in this period of time. So while during the casting, during the casting, I met these people. I, I went a lot to the mountains and looking for places. So basically all the places we shot the, the film, all the, yeah, all the shooting places, all the, the, the places you see in the film, uh, I, I discovered uh, by, 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 walking and uh, hiking and uh, so they are all nearby the, the little village mm-hmm. uh, the film is also shot but actually um, yeah I, I was was a long time uh, on, on 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 the road you could say I mean not on the road uh, <laughs> in my shoes <laughs> <laughs> a lot of walking to find this spot I know you spent yeah. a lot of time to cast this film, to find Simon, to find Michelle, uh, and yeah. the villagers. What made it such a, such a difficult process to find the right people for, the, for these roles? I think you have to build up a relationship with them. Otherwise, it's not going to work. You know, they, they have to trust you and you have to trust them. So it's really, in the mountains, people are not like, in the first moment, maybe they are not as open as other people in, in the city. But if you meet them, if you, if you talk to them, if you get a, a connection to them, and I was really interested in them as human beings, you know, not, not only for like the, 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 the project. I mean, really like I, I'm so, I was, I was so interested in them, how they cope with life up, high up in the mountains, what they are doing for daily life, daily work. Um, really this intense relationship with nature. They, they are in the, in the, you know, with the, they live living with the seasons. So that that was I was really interested in this. So when I got to learn, uh, I, I I I found someone which interested me. It was just this personal thing when I could go along with him. Well, something developed in a way, and I I could really build up a connection with him. Then. After some meetings, I asked him whether he would be uh, maybe part of the project. And so it's really like, uh, uh, yeah, giving them also the trust to to participate and, and be respectful and don't, uh, 
yeah, don't make talk about, uh, don't talk around about about the the, the mountain people, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> because that, that's not what I wanted to do. I really, I, for me, I have to say, the heart of the film, really, the heart of the film is actually are these these people, and uh, for me, these people are so they were so striking with their their inner strength and with their connection to nature that I, I thought. Yeah, that's it's 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 okay to to spend uh, three years just to do the casting in order to have like a bunch of people you really interested in and they trust you. Mm-hmm. You know, talk to me about working with your editor with Florian Rigel. You worked with Florian on your last film, uh, and I'm curious because this is such a deliberate film. It's slow. It goes with the flow of nature. And you don't rush anything. You don't hurry anything. You let the camera rest. It's The editing is so crucial here. What was this like working with Florian? Were you editing while you were shooting? Or did you wait till you yeah. had all of your footage? Yeah, actually, you're right. It's a really delicate process, also editing process, because you have to rewrite the, the the film, you know, in a way, because we had like a lot of material, and only half of the material is now in the film. So we we, we really like shot a, a lot of things. I experienced in the mountains, and now we have just like we, we had to to find the story again, and uh, I. This is a process I can only do with someone I, I'm really like close to and we have the same vision. But, you know, Florian, uh, I know him since my ta- uh, since I was studying with him in Cologne. Mm-hmm. So he's a really close friend to me. I know him now for, uh, yeah, more or less 20 years. So it's a long time and we are really close and uh, I worked with him for my short films. I worked with him for Maria. Uh, he's reading my script. He is like we are. We are like really like he knows what I'm. I'm interested in, and uh, so we did the editing uh, together. For we edited the film in in one year, um, or more or less one year, and it was it was important actually uh, that we speak of the the, the same experience. Uh, the same, uh, the same. Uh, I would say, pace of the film, the rhythm of the film was really special. I think, and uh, we have to, yeah, we we, we looked a, a, a lot for this, but we did not edit during the shoot. So he just received the material during we were shooting the film, and in between each period of, sh- in between the shooting periods. We did some editing in order to get a sense how it could work, mm-hmm. and it helped a lot to have different editing, uh, to have different shooting periods, so we could slightly adapt uh, when we when we yeah when we discovered that the material is maybe too fast or like uh, not uh, yeah it could be adapted a little bit. Mm-hmm. I would be remiss not to ask you about your music in the film, Michael. In addition to the Greek chorus, 
you have your needle drop of what is love. When that pops up in this film, each time it pops up, it made me laugh. It's like, because this is so different than the lives that we're seeing unfold and the quiet that we're experiencing. What led you to that? You know, I, I think it's always important to have also like uh, something, well, you know, you're surprised a little yes. bit. I mean, something <laughs> which stays like uh, in, a, in, a, in a different way uh, in the film in order to, to, to yeah, yeah, there's like, you have to find this crack to let the light in, you know, like something like which opens, yeah. And I think uh, for the um, what is love, uh, it's a special thing because once I was in a little village at a little party there, and uh, they were playing this song, and I thought, wow, it's, it's quite perfect for my movie, actually. It's, uh, what is love is also a question the movie addresses, you know? And, mm -hmm. and so I thought it could be, it could be funny to, not, not, not funny, I mean, it could be interesting to, to yeah, to show, to, to use it also to, to, to make sure that it plays uh, now, you know, it's, it's now, it's, 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 a, it's a modern uh, tale, I would say. And um, the, the other music, like, for example, the choir, it, it, I'm very happy, and I have to say this, because uh, my brother composed the music for the choir. So I'm really in a close um, uh, relation, working relationship with my brother. He composes all my music in my my my, my films. He composed the, together with Yannick Eager the the choir songs. Um, and um, yeah, I, I always want to put also some 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 surprising stuff in my movie in order that uh, the the drama unfolds even even more intense. You know. Mm -hmm. What you definitely succeeded, Michael. I mean, it's just so beautiful. I've got one last question for you. Was it a surprise to you that Switzerland chose your film to submit as its entry for the Oscars this year? Is it a surprise for you? I I, I asked you because, <laughs> yes, it was a little surprise actually for me. But uh, a really nice surprise, you know, because I was really happy that they sent this film in order maybe to convey also like a, a slightly different viewing experience to 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 the AMPAS members. Just to uh, you know, it's, it's I think it's a, a film you have to yeah you have to bring your time, uh, you have to be ready for it. You have to don't be. Don't be in a rush if you watch the movie, uh, and if you if you are okay with this, with the, to go into this universe, I think it could could work. Yeah. Well, I think it's an excellent choice for them to submit for Oscar consideration, and I do have to say, I think my favorite image in the entire film is near the end when Anna opens the bedroom window and Sun is coming through that partially open window and you hold that shot and you stay on that shot so that you almost get a sense of the connection of the spirit, of man's spirit with nature in that one moment. It is priceless. Yeah. 
nice to hear. It's actually the moment. It's actually the moment he dies, you know, and it's really like the moment where we connect with nature in a in in a sense. That image is so striking. The poignancy and the beauty of it is amazing, amazing. Michael, this has been so wonderful to get to speak with you about a piece of sky. I really love this film. And fingers crossed that it makes... Yeah, thank, you. thank you very much. It's so nice uh, to hear you speaking about the film. I'm really happy. Just, I, I'm really thankful for, for you to, 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 to call me. I hope we get to speak again in the future, Michael. Be nice. You go have a wonderful rest of your evening and afternoon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Ciao. And that was Michael Koch, the writer and director of A Piece of Sky, a beautiful, beautiful film. And I do hope that the Academy voters um, in the foreign language who are screening for foreign language um, that you really look at this one and give it some real consideration as a potential nominee this year. And now, okay, we're going to switch gears and we're still going global. You know, as you heard, you know, Michael was called, we were on the phone, he was in Brittany. It's a film that was shot in Switzerland. Now, we're going to go to 1860s Ireland with The Wonder. A beautiful, beautiful film. It is set in the Irish Midlands in 1862. It's about a young girl named Anna uh, who stops eating. She's 11 years old. And the town council and many people, uh, she's been alive for months, not eating anything. People pilgrimage to see her. This is the post-potato famine when fanaticism was starting to run rampant, uh, when people were looking for something. Something to hold on to. Many were living in desperation uh, and reaching out to things. But the council finally, and this actually, this idea of fasting, fasting girls was actually something that occurred during the 19th century. And many people looked trying to see. Are they saints? Are, are, are these miracles that are happening? What is this? And with that in mind, with the wonder, the town council, they want a watch established. They have a nun, and they bring in an English nurse named Lib, uh, who is played by Florence Pugh. And the nun and Lib, all they do is you just watch Anna, you know, is she eating food? Is her family slipping her food? Uh, you know, is this real? Are we going, is, is she, is this a miracle? And it's really fascinating watching this unfold. Um, you know, I was mesmerized watching it. Florence Pugh, number one, is so commanding. She's a powerhouse. Uh, with the tacit and stoic strength that she brings to Nurse Lib. We saw similar from her in Lady Macbeth a few years ago. Um, she just is riveting as you watch her. But the film on the whole is an incredible examination of the patriarchal society and 
the religious beliefs of the time, not to mention the desperation to control people. Um, and that's still an issue today uh, in many, many situations uh, and places around the globe. But I have to say, Sebastian's direction, it's very deliberate, it's very methodical, as is Florence Pugh's performance. There is a deliberateness and a calculation to any move that she makes. Uh, one of the strong, real strong suits of this film is Ari Wegner's cinematography. Now, Ari also lends Pugh for Lady Macbeth. Uh, she also lends The Power of the Dog and In Fabric. Uh, her shots, the shots are very composed, um, especially indoors. But you, we get this great balance and beauty um, as the lens captures the countryside and the world outside of the claustrophobic and tomb-like cloaked home where Anna lives. Um, negative space is so key in the lensing here. Um, because it almost becomes, you, you feel this is almost like a death watch at times. And uh, this is where sound design kicks in, which is absolutely mesmerizing with winds through the heather outside. Um, and it's almost like a baptismal cleansing. It's really incredible. Um, it's, a, it's a great dichotomy of sensory elements. Uh, color pops in certain moments but particularly in the third act when there is a total shift and I'm not going to divulge it because that would be a big spoiler but and the icing on the cake here is Matthew Herbert's score it is stunning there's an ethereal nature to it also an undercurrent of sumptuousness uh, which when you have a film with someone that is either deliberately fasting, a miracle, saint. It counters it in some regard, but it is just absolutely magnificent. film is edited by Christina Hetherington, who, she, uh, Heather was, uh, Christina was Roger uh, Michelle's go-to editor uh, on many of his films. So uh, her work is impeccable. Costume design, um, because it is period, and there's some very, very interesting costume design here. Odile Dix Miro, and the production design, which is also key with the home of Anna and her parents, Grant Montgomery's work. The cast, as I said, Florence Pugh. Tom Burke is amazing. He's amazing. He is he is our eyes. He is us. He is the audience watching what's unfolding between Nurse Lib and Anna. Uh, Keela Lord Cassidy plays Anna. Toby Jones appears. Siren Hines appears. Um, a great, great cast. It's a beautiful film. It is out now. It's available right now. I encourage you to see it. So it was a real treat for me to get to speak with Sebastian Lilio the director of the film. It's written by Alice Birch and Lilio based on Emma Donoghue's novel. So, take a listen as Sebastian Lilio talks the wonder. Hello, Debbie. How are you? 
I am very, very excited to speak with you about the wonder, I must say. Thank you. It's mesmerizing watching this film. Thanks so much. The issues that you tackle, the thematics of this film are beyond fascinating to begin with as you're exploring beliefs, personal justification for them, the desperation that can lead people to the rigidity of beliefs, the rationalism and science versus moral dilemmas. Uh, it's, there's so much here, and the way you have constructed this, there is, and working with Ari, this comes down to your visual grammar to showcase the themes and performances from Florence and Keila in particular. But there's a deliberateness, an elegance, a thoughtfulness in the visual grammar that you have designed that finds this great dichotomy and juxtaposition of an intimacy, but the widescreen vastness of the world outside this microcosm. Just on every level, you just blew my mind, Sebastian. Thank you so much, Debbie. I'm glad you connected with the film. Thank you. How do you even approach? Now, number one, getting Ari as your DP was brilliant. Brilliant. And yeah. I see similarities into how she shot Florence in Lady Macbeth as to how things are you you and Ari stage things here with the wonder and it works so beautifully for observational studies and cultural critiques like what we see here like what we saw in Lady Macbeth but I'm really curious how you as a filmmaker start with a film like The Wonder to break it down to tackle all of these elements without being judgmental or fanatical about them? Oh. <laughs> well, um, I was trying to work with Ari, trying to work with, with, with her a couple, a couple of times and we couldn't. So we were under each other's radar, so to say. We were connected and I was following her films with great admiration. Um, I thought she was a great artist, and now I'm I'm a fanatic about her. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she really, I mean, I, I do believe that filmmaking is co-creation, and, and she's a great co-creator of The Wonder. And when we um, finally met in Ireland and started uh, to you know, scouting and finding the places, we um, naturally started to find the grammar that we wanted. So I I have done a few films where you know that are about making this sort of like multi-dimensional portrayals of of, of, of this woman at the center of the narrative, mm -hmm. um, and I've done that with with slightly different visual grammars or styles, but I really wanted the wonder to have a hopefully strong level of visual sophistication and 
and uh, precision. It, it, it is a script that has a, a levels of precision, precision that are quite um, um, elaborate and high. Mm -hmm. And it required, uh, you know, a certain level of craft and again, precision in the making that I was really wanting to, to challenge myself with. And, uh, and in that sense, uh, Ariel was, you know, wonderful because we, uh, we, we knew we wanted, um, for the camera to be always in movement, mm -hmm. um, always going in as if, as if the viewer was falling deeper and deeper into the story, uh, but also, uh, we wanted to stay still and let the, the character, the actors, really, the characters, um, evolve, I mean, I mean, um, perform in front of the camera. Um, and so then we decided that most of the time when they were like confronting each other, we were going to just let them be and, and create a very almost like classical ap approach to the way in which dialogues are shot. Um, but really the film has many, many, uh, long one, 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 one shot, you know, sequence shot, mm -hmm. and, uh, which is very hard to do. I mean, to, to film, you know, long shots is difficult. We all know that it requires, uh, choreography that happens in, you know, at every level. Uh, so it really unites the team and it's beautiful to do. But it's but it's but it's difficult to to get to get get it all right and uh, so yeah we uh, we drew the entire uh, the entire thing together with Ari we took two weeks to do that uh, and I think that's where the grammar of the film appeared and our own um, nomenclature was born and by the time we we shot the film we really had it all designed. You know, and mm -hmm. it was the pleasure of doing that with much excellency as possible. Well, I love how you mentioned the camera movement because something that I notice that you do that does draw us in ever deeper is while the characters, the actors, so much of this, especially with Florence's character of Lib uh, and also with uh, Keila's character of Anna, who's in a bed and not really moving. But the deliberateness of movement is minimal within the actors, within the people. And you let the camera then move around them. We get into the house, and the way Ari ha you know, moves the camera around the room, you're implementing and bringing in negative space that really is very metaphoric, speaking to... A possible impending death if if Anna doesn't start eating. So you give us that metaphoric specter, but I love the fluidity of the camera movement. And then when we get outside, it's just and into the fields of Heather. It is just stunning, absolutely stunning. And you feel inside, you feel claustrophobic. Outside, you feel a freedom 
that you then enhance with, and I got to tell you, one of my favorite elements of this film is your sound because you really celebrate the wind in the Irish countryside. It's almost like a cleansing, like a baptismal uh, without the water. Just uh, the sound, when there is no other sound and we hear the wind with that fluidity of the camera, it's stunning, stunning, Sebastian. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, we did, I mean, um, put a lot of love in the sound design and the score. Uh, this is the fourth score um, that Matthew Herbert done for a film with me, I mean, uh, we've done together, I mean, and uh, because we have become friends, we had the luxury of working in the score and in the sonic concept mm. of the film for for a year, really. Wow. Um, and we really wanted the yeah to to find you know the right sonic landscape for this film. Um, so the film has a sort of an abstraction, a sort of minimalistic approach to everything. There is a sort of Spartan aesthetics. Uh, in general, um, and I think we 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 try to find um, the equivalence of that in the sound. So, mm -hmm. strength by the use of uh, minimal amount of um, decoration. You know, there's something. Uh, that feels like almost like naked about it, and uh, as opposed to make everything sound, which is a temptation that lots of people fall under. Uh, we were always like taking sounds away <laughs> mm -hmm. and uh, finding the you know the maximum strength in the minimum amount of gestures, uh, which is what you could say also about the camera and. You know the camera work and the production design work. Really, it was a a big aesthetical decision of the film to to go to, down that road. And so, in that sense, Grant Montgomery, the production designer, Matthew Herbert, the composer, Ben Bird, the uh, sound designer, uh, Ari Wagner. That's our like provisional rock bands we created, you know, to, um, to, to yeah, to co-create and find the, the, the identity, the sonic and visual identity of, uh, of the wonder. Well, it's a beautiful marriage, and I do so appreciate what you create emotionally, because when you strip back so much of the sound, when the camera is when the actors are motionless, such as when Lib meets with the committee, the camera is still. She is still. The committee members sit there. You wonder if they're if they're dead or alive because they don't move and, and are expressionless. But then you have moments of no sound. It's silence, and you create this great uncomfortableness that puts us in Lib's shoes because she has to be feeling that 
that she's being scrutinized, waiting for the other shoe to drop almost. And it really, this minimalist, and it's a minimalist elegance throughout the film that you create. And it just works so beautifully with the themes in this film. Thank you for saying that. I think I think the film, you know, thematically, um, among other things, of course, it is a film about the collision between rigidity or fanaticism versus intellectual and spiritual elasticity. Mm-hmm. And and I think somehow the camera addresses that, embraces that. So when she's in front of that committee that represents fixation and dominating ideas that are uh, one, uh, trying to keep being imposed upon the community. Uh, the camera stays still, right? Because mm-hmm. that's a really uh, space. Right. Uh, but then when we are relieved, Things are flowing again. Things are in flux. Uh, as she is, I would say, as a character, because as opposed to the the most extreme uh, members of that community or, or community, the fanatics, so to say, um, she, the ones that have found the truth and are willing to impose it on our. Uh, lead is someone that is in flux. She is a scientist. She's not. She understands that, the, that there's nothing. There's not such thing as the truth, but the truth might be something that is always in flux. And mm-hmm. that you, you know, she's a character that is faced first with an intellectual dilemma, trying to through reason uncover the hopes if there is one and then when she is confronted with the truth by listening to by really listening and looking at this girl uh she's confronted with a moralist and uh and what she ends up doing is way beyond her her comfort zone mm-hmm. she responds to to life with an act that is full of complexity and life. So her whole answer to the whole situation, to the whole dilemma, um, has to do with that, with that elasticity. Mm-hmm. And I guess the, ca- the camera is trying to connect with that sort of um, aspect of the, of, the, of the character and of the spirit. The spirit of the film somehow connected to that Mm -hmm. aspect of of living, right? Absolutely. And something that you do that I found very striking is the film is very non-judgmental. These are issues that exist today with religion versus science, pragmatism versus fanaticism. Mm. You keep from being, obviously, you have a knee-jerk reaction from people. You're starving the girl! You're starving her. She's going to die. That's not being judgmental. That's a knee-jerk emotional reaction that anybody would have 
if they walked in on a situation like this. But you never pass judgment because of the examination you're giving us for the culture. Because this is a very interesting cultural uh, um, examination with an English nurse coming into Ireland and there's always friction between England and Ireland throughout the centuries. So the setup is, is perfect and yet you keep from being judgmental. How challenging was that? I mean, I, um, the things that I need to, in order to film a, an actor performing, uh, or a character, um, I need to not necessarily be on their side, but I need to surpass the level of judging them. I need to I need to understand them. Mm-hmm. You know, I need to I need to be in their shoes and on their shoes and, and try to think from their perspective in order to be able to know how to film them. Right. Um and of course it's easier that I'm more aligned with intellectually or politically, in this case, with Lee. Uh, but I'm also trying to film Lee with all her life shows. Um, and I think I'm not in the, in the business, as you say, of indicating with my finger who is right or who is wrong right. uh, in a story, because I think they're not really villains. There's just ignorance versus, uh, you know, the attempt of uh, the curiosity or the attempt of genuine, genuinely understanding more. Um, and I think that's, that's what's happening. There are some characters that are just more trapped in, 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 in narratives that they have inherited by default, and maybe they haven't had the chance or the courage to step outside of those beliefs and analyze them and think that maybe they can be back engineered and and and, and thought again uh, or changed, which is precisely what Lib does. Uh, so, yeah, I, I tend to. I don't think I I like the dichotomy between characters that are wrong versus characters that are right. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in the. But what is human behind uh, each perspective? And in this case, is the relationship that characters have with their belief system. Mm-hmm. And I, um, you know, and I think it's quite clear that the film it is spiritually more connected to me and to Anna than to those that committee of rigid people that are, you know. Uh, executing their authority because they have found uh, the truth, which is something I'm totally against me. Oh, uh, but um, but I couldn't film them if I if I wouldn't be able to find a connection to them. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I know at some point, at some point, my, I, I myself, I'm blind to whatever I'm blind, and uh, so, so, so are, are, are them, you know. So I guess that, that's my connection to to all the characters. Mm-hmm. You are working with one fabulous editor in Christina Hetherington, Sebastian. I have loved all the work she did with Roger before he passed away. The same exemplary work comes through here in The Wonder. This film, as with everything else, this is the editing, the pacing is very deliberate. So I'm curious about your work with Christina in finding the pacing because so much of this film rises and falls the tension it rises and falls on holding shots just letting the camera stay on Lib's face or stay on Anna in the bed or stay on the committee so I'm curious yeah. about the challenges of finding the pacing for this film yeah I mean Christina um what Creator here, a great collaborator, a great person too. Um, and you get, you know, when you're editing, you get to really know the other person because you spend so many hours. Um, we were together in every session the entire time. So it was really an intense um, journey. And, and Christina was always super generous in exploring every avenue and, 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 and finding precisely, you know, the right uh, breathing that the film uh, needed. It, 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 I think we provided quite um, a precise material because the clip was already very, very precise and the, because of the amount of long uh, one-shot, right? Like one-shot mm-hmm. things. Uh, but that doesn't make it at all easier to edit. Uh, it's even harder in a certain way. And then all the, the shots where there, there are dialogues and the camera is just cutting from one actor to the other, um, I did shot them like, I, I, I shot the entire scene with all the actors. Uh, even sometimes the nun that had one line in, in a big scene, mm-hmm. I, I did shoot the entire scene filming her as well. Um, so we had tons of material and, and tons of, uh, you know, opportunities to get lost. Uh, but yeah, it was a, you know, patient, uh, loving process of finding the, 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 the right, the right pacing and the right way in which the thing was giving away this piece of emotion and information, which is how the wonder works. Um, no, I mean, it was really a privilege to, to watch this film. Well, it was a privilege to watch this film, Sebastian. So well done. Just exquisite. I will be watching it yet again because of all the nuance that you have in here. I want to hear the wonder pop up during award the awards campaigns. That's what I'm hoping for because it is, it is award-worthy, Sebastian. Thank you so much. Thank you, Debbie. Thank you, Sebastian. And I look forward to the next time we get to speak. As well. Bye. Thank you, Debbie. Bye. And that was Sebastian Lelio, director of The Wonder. That is available right now 
on Netflix. Well, that is all the time we have today. Um, I apologize for not perfect audio on the on Sebastian's interview. You know, fly by the seat of your pants with live uh, broadcasting. So, next week, we, uh, we do not have a show next week. It will be a turkey weekend coma day, and plus Pam gets a day off. So, we'll be back on d- Monday, December 5th. We're going to have the filmmakers of the documentary, The Ark of Lilliburn, as in Lilliburn, Georgia. Um... Uh, can't wait to talk to them. Uh, as I said, we will be rescheduling uh, the writer-director on Calendar Girls to, when she's not flying uh, and in midair. And before we go today, just have to say, catch up on Yellowstone, people. You know, we have Beth in a bar fight. Don't get, don't get much more fun than that. So, and a big shout-out to my aunt, it's her 80th birthday today. So I have to I have to give her a shout out. So until next week, have a happy Thanksgiving this week. I'm Debbie Elias. This is Behind the Lens. 